Philippians chapter 15, and let's go ahead and read from, let's go ahead and read uh, from verse 28, uh, uh, from verse 28 to verse 38. 28 to 38 of 1 Corinthians 15. Go ahead, please. And doing all things daily. Let's remember quickly possible interpretations of the reference in verse 29 uh, to the baptism for the dead. Paul could be referring to people outside the faith, pagans, who are being baptized for the dead and not approving of what they are saying. Uh, what they are doing, but saying that in it there is an element of truth, namely they have a hope beyond this world. Whereas if you deny the resurrection, then you are denying the truth, and you are saying that we have no hope. This is one uh, possibility. Why should you be baptized an ordinance which speaks to some extent of resurrection? In some sense, when you are baptized, you are declaring that your dead body will rise again. Now, I'm not saying that this is the primary declaration of baptism, but in some sense it is part of the picture. Why undergo baptism? Why accept bat baptism if you don't believe one of the things which it stands for, which it uh, represents? Why be baptized for the dead, the Greek word, Hooper, all right, can be translated in many different ways, and that's the word that is rendered for. Uh, it can be translated in many different uh, ways. Why be baptized with a view towards the dead? In other words, with the hope of meeting once again uh, believers who have passed away, who have gone to be with the Lord. Why should you think when you are being baptized? Why should you think when you are receiving the faith and proclaiming that you have received it, that one day you will be reunited with them? Because they're gone. It's all uh, a story, a fairy tale, a legend. It's not uh, real. Why be baptized to fill the ranks among the believers, the ranks of those who have gone on? to fill their place, to stand in their stead. When again, the fact that they have died indicates uh, that they are defeated and uh, that this is a message which carries no hope. Uh, people join a victorious army uh, to fill the ranks of those who have fallen. They don't often join an army which is being defeated uh, uh, in order to fill the ranks of those who have uh, fallen. Why be baptized as a result of the testimony of those who died? Why should Paul, for instance, be affected by the testimony of Stephen? Now, the Bible doesn't speak explicitly to this point, but people uh, believe that that may have been uh, the case. Stephen died, and death is a defeat. Why should you say that he had some hope or strength in his death as long as he died, that's the end of everything, and there's nothing uh, beyond that. Or remember also the idea that, that baptism could be understood uh, as a figure of speech. I have a baptism to be baptized with, the Lord Jesus said. Uh, 
to be immersed in sufferings, to bear persecution and hardship. Why should I do this for the sake of those who are dead, meaning here also spiritually dead? Why should I suffer so that I would deliver the message to others if this whole story is empty, meaningless, vain, false, devoid of truth? if it is just some kind of fairy tale. So these are some of the interpretations, uh, uh, some of the ways that the uh, statement of verse 29 can be uh, understood. Uh, there are words in every language that can be understood in several ways. Along comes a translator, and the translator if he does his work in the usual standard way, picks out one of those meanings, perhaps the most common one, but sometimes there are other ones. And this can seem like, oh, but it says baptized for the dead, you're changing the word. The word is not for. The word is a Greek word, again, I hope I'm remembering it correctly, Hooper, and it could be rendered in different ways. It is translated for, but it is translated in several other ways, and it allows for the interpretations which I just mentioned, and even some other ones which uh, I haven't uh, gotten uh, into. Why do we stand in jeopardy uh, every uh, hour? Why do we face uh, uh, difficulty? Uh, uh, difficulty. Why should I uh, uh, face opposition in Ephesus if I fought with beasts at, uh, uh, at Ephesus? Um, did he actually fight with beasts as in being thrown to the lions? Although some people think that that might be the case, others lean in the direction of understanding these words figuratively. Uh, indicating facing uh, opposition, facing uh, uh, persecution. Remember the riots uh, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 19. Uh, rather, if there is no resurrection for you, it means that there is no resurrection for Christ. He has established this. And it means that we are of all men most miserable and that we have no real hope, nothing to think of in a positive way beyond this life, and therefore, let us eat and drink, because tomorrow we are going to die. Uh, it's a statement that is uh, found in the Old Testament, specifically in Isaiah 22 and uh, verse uh, 13. Again, I say, it's interesting that the Bible does not allow for a certain option or approach which some modern people, um, which some modern people have an affection for. There are some modern people who say, it's all right if Christ did not rise. It's all right if the miraculous, the supernatural elements that are mentioned in the Bible, it's all right for us to think that these simply did not happen. The important thing is that the Lord Jesus was a great moral teacher, and he taught us to love each other. The important thing is the ethical aspect of what he, uh, what he taught. Uh, 
the Bible doesn't uh, tell us this. Uh, the Bible tells us that if there is no resurrection for the believer, then there is no resurrection for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's all without meaning. It is all meaningless. That's what the Bible says. Uh, it doesn't say, you know, we can deny some parts of uh, what is happening. We can deny that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Deny uh, that he was God in the flesh. Deny that he performed miracles. And there still remains a lot there that is of value. Vain. The word vain, several times mentioned. Uh, especially in verses 12 through uh, 19. Uh, let us eat and drink. For uh, tomorrow uh, we, uh, we die. If the truth of the Bible is not there, then we can talk about ethics. But, but there are significant weaknesses in this uh, approach. Among them are, where does the motivation come to do what is right and what is good? And another weakness is how do you define what is true and what is good? Because if you start saying something like, let's think about the greatest good for the greatest number of people, the greatest good for the greatest number of people will lead you in some situations to a very weird answer. One of the things that makes clear what is good, God's word, he has shown you. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good. He has shown you. Uh, he has given us right judgments, true laws, good commandments. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Be not deceived. Uh, verse uh, 33. And this is not the first time in this letter that Paul mentions uh, this matter. Look at chapter 3 and verse uh, 18. 1 Corinthians 3, 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any among you seems wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be uh, wise. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, uh, and other, uh, other sins are listed. Um, and then he says that such will not inherit the kingdom of, uh, of God. Uh, look at Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, three statements that the Lord Jesus made that all include the word deceive. Matthew 24, and first of all, verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Matthew 24 and verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24 and verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible. And that tells you how deceitful these people are, so that this is somehow almost, but not actually, possible. And if they are that deceitful, and the elect in some sense barely escape that deceit, what will happen with others? 
what will happen with uh, others. Uh, some other verses about uh, deceiving. Galatians chapter 6 uh, and uh, verse 7. Uh, the Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Uh, look at the book of Revelation, where uh, the devil is called the great deceiver. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Who deceives the whole uh, world. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 14. And he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he has power to do. Uh, look at some human deceivers. There's the devil and there's the false prophet referred to there in Revelation. Uh, Romans 16 and verse 18. Romans 16 and uh, verse uh, uh, 18. Uh, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own body, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the innocent. Uh, look at Second uh, Corinthians uh, 11 and uh, verses uh, 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Uh, to their works. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. Second uh, Timothy 3.13 Second uh, Timothy 3.13 Evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Titus chapter 1, uh, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy 4 4. 2 Timothy 4 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Titus 1 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. A few more verses, the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 26. If any among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Second Peter, chapter 2 
and verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who secretly shall bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And finally, in this set of verses, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. And uh, so, we should be aware of the fact that there is so much deceit in the world. And in some sense, I think we are speaking especially of spiritual matters. How that there are all sorts of counterfeits. One in one direction, and another in another direction, and, and some coming from uh, north, some coming from south, some coming from east, some coming from west, some coming from above, some coming from below. Something, uh, all sorts of false uh, uh, ideas. Uh, and we should cling to the truth and know that the Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Sometimes amidst all that different people teach, there are some who end up being like Pilate. What is truth? And then he walked out. There is truth. You have to search for it in this world. Uh, you're not necessarily going to find it easily given the quantity of, uh, of uh, deceit that is available. But there is truth. And the Bible says you'll, seek, uh, you'll uh, seek me and find me if you search for me with all your hearts. Uh, uh, with all your hearts. When you think about it, alright? Suppose that you're, let's say, wanting to buy a car. Here comes someone and tells you, this is a great car. Great, great car. And he names a certain price. Now, if you're someone who has a certain amount of experience in this world, you'll not necessarily take the man's word that it's a great car. Right? And so, even though we're not talking about cars and selling and buying cars, just like in other things, we shouldn't believe everything. All right? Again, if we go back to First John chapter 4, uh, the last uh, uh, verse that we, uh, that we uh, read, um, uh, it says, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits whether they are of God. Ye do err not knowing the scriptures. To the law and to the testimony. If they say not these things, it is because there is no light in them. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.
And so, where do we find the truth? In God's word. Because God is not a man that he should lie. Uh, this is uh, what the Bible teaches us. Be not deceived. Be not uh, 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 deceived. Uh, they had a culture surrounding them. And in that culture there were all sorts of religious thoughts and all sorts of philosophical thoughts and all sorts of you know, different things that people believed. And they could have and probably were impacted by those things that were around them. And a lot of that impact was negative was uh, uh, negative, was influencing them in a negative way as far as spiritual things uh, were concerned. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Evil company corrupts good habits. Let's read from the Old Testament in particular, uh, starting with the book of Proverbs, a few verses uh, that agree with this uh, statement. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 9 and verse 6, Forsake the foolish and live. Forsake the foolish and live. And go in the way of understanding. The book of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 29, A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him into the way that is not good. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 22 and verses 24 and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways, and get a snare to thy soul. Uh, in the book of Psalms, at the very beginning, uh, uh, what does uh, David uh, say? What does the psalm say? Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Uh, look at Psalm 26, uh, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 26. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. <clears throat> I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. And Psalm 119 and verse 63, Psalm 119 and verse uh, 63, I am a companion of all those who fear thee and of those who keep thy precepts. The Bible tells us of uh, Amnon, one of the sons of uh, David who had an affection for his half-sister Tamar. And the Bible tells us that Amnon had a friend called Jonadab. And that Jonadab was a very subtle person. And so Jonadab proposed a plan to Amnon, which ended up, eventually, 
costing Amnon his life. Because he took the advice of Jonadab, his friend, Amnon ended up dead. He assaulted his sister, and even that word is not expressive of all involved. And later on, later on, Absalom killed Amnon in retaliation. In retaliation. So there are friends like Jonadab. And, in, and then there is the great friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. For his friends. What a friend we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. Um, be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. And remember that the opposite is true, at least to some extent. That good company is a blessing. That fellowship with others who love the Lord is something that has a positive impact on us and therefore something that we should seek out. Something that we should value. Something that we uh, should prize and prioritize at least to some uh, extent. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good morals. Now, uh, this, in fact, is a statement that appears in one of uh, the writings of the Greeks, a writer of plays by the name of Menander, who lived around the year 300 B.C., in other words, 350 years before the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians. Greek writer, Menander, writer of uh, plays. This statement appears in one of his plays. Now, people say, maybe this indicates that Paul had read that particular writing by that particular author. Others say, not necessarily, because there are sayings which become common sayings, uh, which become proverbs. And uh, this saying, uh, going back to the, that particular play, may have even been a common saying before that. Uh, uh, before that, and uh, Menander, the Greek writer, used it in his play, and after that it continued to be a common uh, saying. Uh, so, uh, there is here a possible quotation from uh, one of the works of the Greeks. Uh, Be not deceived, evil communication, evil company corrupts good morals, awake to righteousness, uh, and sin not. Here are some other translations of verse 34. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right 
and do not go on uh, sinning. And do not go on sinning. Actually, the Greek word that is used here is a word that carries with it the meaning of someone who is drunk awakening out of that drunken state. Out of that uh, drunken uh, state. Uh, Look at Romans 13 and verses 11 uh, through 14. Uh, The Bible says, And that knowing the time, Romans 13, 11, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in immorality and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 5, actually 13 through 15. Ephesians 5, 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Uh, Excuse me, that's the last verse I want to read. Uh, uh, Before that, uh, verse 13. But all things uh, that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatever does make manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Awake to righteousness. Awake from your drunken stupor. And here the question is, in terms of understanding the passage, is he saying literally that they were engaged in drunkenness, which they needed to uh, uh, set aside, which they needed uh, to emerge from uh, once and for all, uh, not to return? Or is he using language figuratively? Uh, uh, figuratively, that uh, you are listening to the world. Uh, you are uh, influenced by the world. You are drunk with the world, uh, with the thinking and attitudes of uh, the uh, Greek culture, Greek thinkers, and philosophy, uh, Greek uh, notions. So, literal drunkenness or figurative drunkenness? Which one perhaps is addressed? Uh, I would tend to lean personally in the direction of figurative, that they are, that they are kind of drunk with the world and with the thinking of the world and the attitudes of the world, but it may be the other way, or it may be both. Uh, or it may be uh, both. Certainly, uh, Corinth was uh, uh, not known as a city uh, for being the most uh, moral and upstanding uh, place. Uh, it was not that kind of, uh, of place. For some have not the knowledge of God. Some have not the knowledge of God. At the end of the second letter, look at chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians and verse 5. 
Examine yourselves, whether you are in the faith. Prove uh, yourselves. Know ye not yourselves how Jesus Christ is in you unless you are discredited. Some have not the knowledge of, uh, of, uh, of God. There may be some who are not truly saved, who do not know uh, the Lord, who are not bound to him in a real way through saving faith. Uh, some have not the knowledge of, uh, of God. Uh, I speak this to, to your shame. It should not uh, be, uh, be so. Now some people say, uh, should he be shaming them in, his way, in, in this way? Uh, there is a difference between one kind of shaming and another kind of shaming, shall we say. One of the things that took place when they gathered together for the Lord's Supper and for the meal that accompanied it, some people who were rich were lording themselves over others who were uh, poor, shaming those who were poor. Now, that wasn't right. He rebuked them very clearly for it. We looked at it in uh, chapter uh, 11. The rich have no business shaming the poor. Or the other way around. Or tall people shaming short people. Or short people shaming tall people. Or any other such thing. But... They have not the knowledge of God. This is different. <laughs> it's one thing uh, uh, to say uh, to, uh, to a certain person. Uh, it's one thing to speak to a certain person negatively because you don't like the color of their eyes. It's another thing to speak to a, a, a person in rebuke because they've done something that's wrong. <laughs> when they've done something that's wrong, uh, the Bible tells us. Uh, that open rebuke is better than secret love. The Bible tells us uh, 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 that the rebuke of a friend is better than the, 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 the deceitfulness and the kisses of an enemy. The Bible tells us it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the songs of fools. And so, it's one thing, like I said, to say, I don't like the color of Sister Vera's eyes, I don't like the color of Sister Renee's sweater. Alright? It's another thing, if someone has done wrong, if someone is in a wrong place, to tell them, you shouldn't be there. Uh, you uh, shouldn't uh, be, uh, be there. Uh, look at Second uh, Thessalonians, uh, chapter 3. Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, and uh, first of all, verse 6. It says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother who walks disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Also in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15, 
And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 20. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and uh, verse 20. It says, Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. That others also may uh, fear. Awake to righteousness and uh, sin uh, not. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I speak this uh, to uh, your shame. He was willing to speak to them in this way, which some people might say is harsh, but in fact needful. And remember that he was quick to praise them in such things that they were doing that were worthy, that were worthy of praise. That were worthy uh, of praise. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? And this is the beginning of a new section, and I'll just speak, I, I'll try to just speak just two or three minutes, rather than getting into it in detail, just a little bit by way of introduction, a few uh, basic ideas. How are the dead raised? How does this happen? Have you seen it happen? No. Have I seen it happen? No. And so people can say that it does not happen. People can object in some way. They can also say, with what body do they come? Some people may have the idea that a decayed and decomposed body is somehow going to be brought to life uh, uh, and have some kind of ugly, repulsive, you know, zombie, horror movie, <laughs> monster appearance? Uh, or, or are they brought back to life in, in the same way that, uh, that uh, they uh, were? Uh, how, how is this uh, going to happen? One can ask uh, questions uh, about it. Uh, one can ask questions based on the following idea. We have a physical body that seems to be suited to the physical world in which we live. Now, when we are talking about what? When we're talking about beyond this world and this existence, it isn't physical in the same way. You might tell me it's physical, but in a different way. Yes, that could well be the case, but it's not physical in the same way. So if the body is physical... And if somehow it's going to be raised again and it's going to exist in a different kind of place, in a different kind of realm, well, right now it's a physical body suited for a physical place. And if it's raised again, all right, will it be suitable for that other place or another kind of existence which is different in nature? What is he uh, going to uh, say? Uh, he is going to say a few things. He's going to say, in this world, there are things that die and then rise again. The seed becomes the wheat or the tree. In this, in this world, 
there are bodies of different kinds. Not every body is the same. There are fish in the sea, animals on the land. There are uh, men and women. They are, they, they are not all the same. God created them all. So he's the one who can do all things. There are things that are terrestrial, that are earthly. There are things that are celestial, uh, that are uh, heavenly. So in this world, God has already demonstrated and shown his ability to do what? To make many things of many different kinds as he sees fit. And ultimately, there will be a transformation it will not be exactly the same kind of body. And this transformation will take place, how? By the power of God. What does it say in Philippians chapter 3? It says that he will raise our, uh, Philippians 3, last verse, verse 21, he'll change our lowly body that it may be fashioned like his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Unto himself. Uh, you can ask, how is this body going to come back? Uh, it's decayed, it's uh, decomposed. How can something die and live again? And, and if it lives again, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be uh, different? Doesn't it need to be different in some ways? How can it be in one place, in one form, that's the body right now in a physical world, and later on it's going to be somehow a different body, at least it's going to exist in a different realm or a different place? God makes things that die and rise again. God makes different bodies, some for the, the animals of the sea, some for the creatures of the land, some for things heaven, earthly, some for things heavenly. All right? And the God who makes all things is the God of power, and he is able to remake, he is able to raise uh, the, uh, the body. Someone will come along and say, well, what about the man who, uh, who was standing right next to a bomb which went off and his body was, someone will say, literally vaporized. All right? If God knew how to create that body initially out of nothing, then God can raise that body. He has the power to do so. Because if he created it out of nothing to begin with, that's, in some sense, harder than to somehow recreate. Well, in either case, it's, in either case, it's impossible for us. But, fortunately, uh, uh, what is not possible with man uh, is possible with, uh, with God. And so, to all these questions... Uh, to all these objections, if someone's trying to object, if someone's trying to say, you know, this doesn't make sense because the answer is, it does make sense. There are answers to the questions. There are replies to the objections. Uh, this is the truth of God. It stands up to scrutiny. You want to ask questions about it? Go ahead and ask. There are answers. 
there are answers. And some people ask questions honestly. That's good. Some people ask questions with not such a nice spirit, not the right attitude. That's not so good in terms of motivation. But the Bible has answers. The Bible has uh, answers. Uh, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And with what body do they come? I'm tempted to answer in one way. <laughs> how are the dead raised up? Gloriously. They come with a glorious body reflecting the working of God and the fact that he is, above all things, a God of glory. A God of glory. That's how they come. And that's how they are raised up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that in all things you might help us to realize that it is the source, that it is the foundation. Be not deceived. Many false spirits have gone into the world. We pray that you would help us uh, to uh, understand also that we are subject to the influence of things around us. Evil company corrupts good habits, corrupts good morals. And so we pray that you'd help us to seek fellowship with your children, with those who are faithful, so that each may be a blessing to the other, so that iron may sharpen iron. We pray that you'd help us to awake to righteousness, to set aside things that may be captivating us, things that are from the world. We pray also that you would help us to receive such rebuke as you direct towards us. I say this to your shame, your servant said to the believers of Corinth. We pray that you would help us to hear reproof and live, not to refuse reproof and die. We pray that you'd help us to listen to your words and to walk in your ways, to know that you indeed have the power and the glory, to know indeed that your word is true, to know indeed that you have promised to raise up your children and that resurrection is coming. And what a day that will be. Help us by faith to see your glorious power. Help us to know in our lives even now the power of your resurrection and to reach others with that power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.